I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. Sam, can I hear you this time? Test, test, check, check. Yes! We apologize for the technical difficulties if you were live on YouTube just a few minutes ago, but we're back! And if you're listening in audio form, you have no idea that we had technical issues. That's all I told you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm live from my parents' basement, and you're at Western and Southern Studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's your least favorite show. You've never been a part of this show before, Sam. That's true. Yeah, we've always done it. We've always broken it up specifically uh, for you know people being away, so we don't have to have you live from your basement. <laughs> this is well. This in particular. This is thirty-two reasons for optimism. One per team. Reasons for optimism for all thirty-two NFL teams. It's uh, the third year that we've done this, Sam. I think the first year, I may have done it on my own. I think I, I went straight monologue style while you were on vacation. And last year, I grabbed Trevor Sikama because Trevor, of course, is you know positive guy, unlike you. Mm. And uh, we had a great show together. And then uh, I've never been a part of the pessimism show, which we have scheduled for, for later this week. But today, it's all about optimism for every single team. All right, let's do it. Yeah, see, there right. you go. In the chat, Drake Holiday has the same opinion I have, which is the Arizona Cardinals have zero reasons for optimism. I disagree, because we're going alphabetical, and we're going to start with Arizona in just a minute. But first, a reminder that as a parent, your top priority is always your children's well-being. You want to give them everything they need to grow and thrive, both now and in the future. With term life insurance by Fabric, from Fabric, by Gerber Life, help protect your family so their future is secure no matter what happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents, to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy quickly, often in less than 10 minutes. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply, so see you can see your quote, then personalize your quote to fit your family's needs. You could be afford you could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. So take steps to help protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Take the 60-second quiz to find out if term life insurance is right for you and apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. That's meetfabric.com slash PFF. Actually, it's, let's just say slash PFF. I think that's all it is right now. M-E-E-T, fabric.com, slash PFF. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company and distributed by Gerber Life Agency, LLC, using fabric technologies not available in certain states. Price is subject to underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us at meetfabric.com, slash PFF. Nailed it. Perfect. All right, you ready to go? Yep. Is the chat ready to go? We're going to be optimistic here. Mm-hmm. Reasons for optimism for all NFL teams, starting alphabetically with the Arizona Cardinals. And I have a reason. Okay. It's Caleb Williams. Yeah. Caleb Williams is the reason for optimism. As an Arizona Cardinals fan, you can be optimistic going into the 2023 season that you're going to lose a whole lot of games, and you have the best opportunity to lose – the most games in the NFL and land Caleb Williams in the 2024 NFL draft. Absolutely a reason for optimism in Arizona. Yeah, it's not really a reason for optimism this year. Doesn't have to be this year. Yeah. 
I mean, so realistically, yes, that is the reason for optimism is that long term, the future looks good because they put themselves in a good position this offseason. You can probably extend that, though, that Caleb Williams is obviously the prize at the end of this road. But the first offseason of the new regime appears to be significantly more uh, coherent and well put together in terms of strategy than the previous regime like that, I think, should be a reason for optimism. Yes. There's going to be a lot of short-term pain because, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is gone. You cut him now. The talent on this roster is is pretty ugly. Kyla Murray is injured. Who knows if he's going to be part of this long-term approach. But at least from what we've seen so far in one offseason, this front office looks like it absolutely knows what it's doing and has a strategy, even if it's not going to be one that shows success in 2023. So look at you. Good work being optimistic for the Cardinals, Sam. I'm going to go with Caleb Williams, and you're going to go with basically, yeah, everything, you know, pieces are, are being put in place for the future here in Arizona. Yeah. All right, we're on to the Atlanta Atlanta Falcons. Reason for optimism. I'm going to start with just overall. I, there's two angles I could take here, but I'm going to, I'm going to say overall off-season additions by the Falcons. Arrow pointed up. I think the defense is going to be much better. Jesse Bates and Calais Campbell and all of their offseason additions, Bud Dupree even, Atlanta's defense is going to completely turn it around next year. Atlanta's defense is going to turn it around. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fun uh, Fun players as well. Just fun players. That was my other answer. Yeah, Just I mean, fun, fun players. players. They're, like last year, they will be an entertaining team to watch play, particularly on offense. I actually think given the additions that they made to the offense and the fact that they, they keep loading up on that side of the ball – it's going to be quite hard for a quarterback to be truly awful in that system. So, obviously, Desmond Ritter is going to get first crack at the whip. They're going to see how well he can play. Um, the offensive line is amazing. They add B. John Robinson to that group. They've got receivers as well. But remember, they, they signed Taylor Heineke in the offseason. Okay, Taylor Heineke didn't do what we thought he would do uh, in Washington. It was much more of the low-end Heineke, and we never really got to see the high-end again. But in this offense, I'd actually be reasonably optimistic that Taylor Heineken can be a solid starter in, in this offense. So Ritter will get the, the opportunity to show if he can do that. But if he can't, I think Heineken could be fine in this system as well. So the reason for optimism, I actually think, is the offensive side, where I, I think that group is going to be good again. Man, it, it, it must be almost June if you're going full optimism on Taylor Heineken. That's good. That's great. Well done. I mean, look, we saw so, yeah. we saw Taylor Heineke take it to Tom Brady and the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs. It's there. It's in there. <laughs> it, so when we did the show last year, it turned into all of these reasons for optimism are going to lead every team straight to the Super Bowl. So uh, Atlanta, is that a, 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 are these enough additions to bring them right to the Super Bowl this year? No. <laughs> oh, okay. We're not it's, too optimistic. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, it's optimistic in that it might be okay. It's not optimistic in that you're going to win a Super Bowl or anything. So, Atlanta, we love the offseason additions, fun players, and you love their backup quarterback. All right, Baltimore Ravens. Any reason for optimism you want to you know, start off with here, Sam? Or do you want me to kick it off? I mean, this is your gig. Let's let's hear it. Oh, do I have to start with all of them? Yeah. Uh, new scheme, new ceiling for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to say Todd Monken coming in and... Uh, you know, did Greg Roman hit his ceiling with the Baltimore Ravens offense? I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is the thing. New system, Lamar Jackson, uh, maybe expanding the playbook a little bit. A whole new ceiling for this Baltimore Ravens offense. 
Okay. I mean, simply resolving the Lamar Jackson thing, I think, is a pretty good reason for optimism. Like, it always felt like eventually they were going to end up with him back in the, the start as the starter back in, in 2023, but getting that resolved and getting him signed long term. So they're not playing out the franchise tag. They're not, you know, there's no real risk of him going anywhere else now. They've got their guy long term. So that, I mean, that has to be reason for optimism. Yeah, so I think, yeah, Baltimore, that's it. You know, I think this is, this year, Todd Monken comes in. They'll have a more explosive passing attack. They'll run the ball when necessary. Baltimore's going to the Super Bowl. I will declare it right now on the Optimism Show for five or six different teams. Baltimore, they're going to get over the hump in the AFC, surpass the Bengals and the Bills and the Chiefs and everybody. They're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, they should have some wide receivers as well for the first time in a while. That's That's got to be reason for optimism. Okay, OBJ, we don't know quite what he's going to be anymore, but Zay Flowers in the draft, Rashad Bateman, they've, they've done what you preach, which is, you know, let's try and make our number one guy number two or number three on the depth chart. In, in theory, that's exactly what Baltimore has done with Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson and the run game. And yeah, that, I mean, things should be a lot better this year for Baltimore than they were last season. All right, moving on to the Buffalo Bills. Speaking of Super Bowl, they're going. This is the year the Bills really get over their hump as well. They're going to get past the Chiefs and the Bengals and all the teams ahead of them as well. Because the Bills are still really good. Reason for optimism. They're still really good. Don't buy into the hype. Don't buy into the fact that the Bills uh, you know, had a, had a rough loss at the end of the season in the playoffs in the snow to the Cincinnati Bengals. you got Vaughn Miller coming back. He'll be back and healthy and ready to go. And it's the same team that was favored to win the Super Bowl last year. So plenty of reasons to remain optimistic in Buffalo because they're still really good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're one of a number of teams whose reason for optimism begins with, you know, the quarterback. Like they have Josh Allen. That's always a good reason for optimism. You start with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, whether you rank him second or third. He's one of those guys that is a transcendent talent and can raise the level of everybody around him, and everybody around him is pretty good. So they start with an incredible uh, first step that not that many teams can match. They had an interesting offseason because last year it felt like they very much focused on attacking the weakest points of the roster and trying to get them better, You know, guys like Von Miller coming in. This year they seem to go more of, well, let's just add riches to the rich areas, you know, Dalton Kincaid in the first round, Deontay Hardy coming in to, to add a kind of gimmick uh, speed element to that team. You know, they've, they've been stockpiling running backs as well. So I guess they feel like they're going to try and turn what's already a really good offense into something even better. So that's it, man. Buffalo, you, you, you weren't ready for my style on this. Sometimes it's like a specific thing. Sometimes it's touchy-feely. It doesn't matter. You know, reasons for optimism can come from anywhere, Sam. Okay. You weren't ready for it. Because uh, it's your first show. It's your first show in three years trying to be positive for all 32 teams. Uh, Carolina Panthers. This one's obvious. They got the new quarterback. They got Bryce Young. They got the shiny new toy to play with. They got the new regime. They got a loaded coaching staff. Josh McCown coaching the QBs. Frank Wright comes in. Carolina has plenty of reasons for optimism. A couple years of you know, a, a dip and, and rebuilding the roster and Uh, Matt Rule maybe didn't work out, but they did add a lot of defensive talent to the team that still remains. But now they've got the shiny new toy in Bryce Young, and they've got someone to build around after playing bridge quarterback for so many years. 
Yeah, Bryce Young is absolutely the answer for Carolina. I mean, we the focus has been so much on Bryce Young is tiny, it's ridiculous, it's it's a meme, it's funny, and we're losing sight of how good Bryce Young has been as a player and therefore could be in the NFL. The starting point was always this guy has a superpower of throw throwing with anticipation. He's better at it than Tua or uh, Mac Jones coming from the same os- or same offense each of whom I think had a better supporting cast and each of whom has been pretty good at that skill in the NFL. So if Bryce Young continues that trend of being better than those guys at that with worse talent, but with more to his game in terms of athleticism and and improvisation skills, I mean, Bryce Young could be special in the NFL despite that size. Carolina Panthers obviously going to win the NFC South. It's the optimism show here. So we're, we're making uh, bold declarations for all of our teams here. So uh, just a word of war- warning to our social media team here. When you clip these out, <laughs> please, be, you know, when I declare seven or eight Super Bowl winners here, okay, I, I, I don't need to be old takes exposed or anything like that, okay? I'm going to make bold declarations for each team. So the Carolina Panthers are going to be winning the NFC South here with their rookie quarterback. Uh, speaking of winning the division, Chicago Bears – you know they're going to win the NFC North because they are headed in the right direction. Ryan Poles making all the right moves for the Bears, loading up on draft picks for two straight years, attacking free agency with some big-name players, getting what he needed to get with the number one overall pick, all the, the draft hall plus DJ Moore, year three of Justin Fields. All of that adds up to a ton of optimism in Chicago. Yeah, Um Justin Fields, given what he did last year, the the optimism to me comes from imagine that player with some help, which is basically what we're talking about. DJ Moore comes in, you know, they've they've added some actual playmakers and kept building on that offensive line that was taking steps in the right direction but hadn't got there yet last season. Justin Fields was able to essentially win this job a year ago with zero help around him by showing that he was one of the most dynamic athletes in the NFL at the position. And now we get to see, hopefully, what he can do as a passer. And, you know, I think we've seen flashes of that. The the passing is a long way behind the running right now, but there have been flashes throughout his NFL career. If he can turn those flashes into more consistency, then Justin Fields can be, you know, a legitimate NFL quarterback. Yeah, man, Fields, Fields' development has been just fascinating because it hasn't looked anything like we expected, I don't think, coming out. I don't think we expected the level of running ability and athleticism that he showed. I expected maybe some of the in-pocket woes as far as taking too many negative plays, but I also expected him to be a little bit more accurate and, and be a, uh, just a bit more polished throwing the ball down the field. I still think he has that in him. So, you know, just to put a bow on that with Fields, the fact that he was able to dominate a few games. And when I say dominate, it's like the, the Bears were only in some games last year that even if they lost them, they were only in them because of Fields' playmaking ability. Mm-hmm. And now he has the ability to take that next step in year three as a passer. A lot of potential excitement there in Chicago, your NFC North champions. And also, by the All way, right, Cincinnati Bengals. one Go last ahead. part with the, the Bears, another reason for optimism is that Aaron Rodgers isn't in the division anymore. So yes. for two yes. reasons. Good one... Luck. The, the division is wide open, but two, the guy whose you know, shtick was that he owns you as a, as a player, not there anymore. Yeah, go own someone else. Get out of here. He's gone. It's the Bears division now, baby. All right, Cincinnati Bengals 
our hometown team. Not right now, though, because I'm in my parents' basement back in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. But the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, it, it's it's like the Bills for me. The reason for optimism is what's still there. Yeah. Right? You still have Joe Burrow. You still have Jamar Chase. You still have T. Higgins. You're never going to trade T. Higgins because we're all Bengals fans here today on the Optimism Show. You're going to have these guys for the next 10 years, and the Bengals are going to be AFC Championship or better every single year going forward. So this is the year the Bengals get over the hump. And win the Super Bowl, Sam, because they have all the pieces already in place. Yeah, I mean, like the Bills, starts with Joe Burrow. They they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and they kept building around him uh, across the board, really. I mean, they kept the, the receivers intact. They also drafted uh, receivers, Charlie Jones, um, Andre Yosivas. These are uh, Jones maybe can make an impact right away. Yosivas maybe is more of a longer-term play if, if he even – sticks on the roster as opposed to a, a practice squad kind of guy. Irv Smith Jr., tight end, I think is a really smart, uh, low-risk, high-reward type of gamble. And then Orlando Brown Jr. at, at tackle was a move that they were not expecting they were able gonna, even going to be in position to make in at the start of the offseason. They end up signing one of the marquee players at left tackle to address one of their biggest areas of weakness on offense. So their offense should be extremely good again. And, you know, Joe Burrow has already shown that he's capable of going toe-to-toe with any quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, a lot of the moves that you just mentioned there, I love the way the Bengals operated. Maybe probably the last two off-seasons, the investment in the offensive line, two years running now. And I really liked their draft. I I liked adding Miles Murphy as a, uh, you know, a guy that you're going to plug in at, at, at defensive end. And, you know, they added players who are going to contribute now, but contribute in the future as they have to pay the Burroughs and Chases and Higgins of the world. So I think the Bengals are making a lot of good moves. That's why they're going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. So Eli, you can tweet that one out as a, you know, as a Bengals fan back there working the dials. Uh, Bengals Super Bowl this year, baby. It's all happening. It's going to be tough, though, because the Cleveland Browns need a reason for optimism as well. And they're also in the AFC North. And uh, I'm just going to start with the depth of the roster. You know, the Browns, I, you, you, maybe you didn't feel it last year because they didn't win uh, a ton of games. Um, they in, in Deshaun Watson struggled a little bit when he came back. But the Browns have built a roster where you're not going into the draft saying, hey, you got to fill this starting spot or these six starting spots. The Browns are deep. And I think that depth is going to show up on the field this year. Uh, as long as Deshaun Watson plays to his capabilities. And since it's the optimism show, we'll just say Deshaun Watson will get back to his 2020 level of play when he was legit. Yeah, I mean, was it 2019? When was the last time we saw him play, Sam? uh, It was 2020. No, it was 2020. It was 2020. Um, Yeah, I mean, the first reason for optimism has to be that it would be very difficult for Deshaun Watson to be as bad next year as he was last year. So... Any kind of improvement is going to help, and there's a large room for him to get better and get towards where we've last seen him. Forget, I mean, that 2020 grade was a 92.5, which puts him up there with the Josh Allens, the Joe Burrows, the Patrick Mahomes of the world as basically one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Even if we assume that that is an unrealistic baseline, that throwing for 8.9 yards per attempt... Um, you know, he, he had a pass rating of 112 that year. If we assume that that's an unrealistic uh, expectation, and even if he goes back to being the player that he was the two years before that, where his grade was 81.3, 82.7, you know, a more realistic kind of area, that's still a jump in almost 30 grading points in where he was last season. 
So if that happens, they're in business. But the other reason for optimism is it's no longer just Miles Garrett on his own on the defensive line. Yeah. Now it's Miles Garrett, Dalvin Tomlinson, Zadarius Smith, uh, Oboe, Okoronkwo, uh, Isaiah McGuire. You know, they, even if guys like uh, Alex Wright don't take steps forward from a year ago, Siaki Ika in the draft as well. Like they have a defensive line that should actually be able to make an impact, which is going to help the back end. Denzel Ward, um, you know, JOK, Greg Newsom. So Cleveland's defense, I think, should be dramatically better than a year ago. Yeah, there's that depth, right? All, all along the defensive line for the first time in years. They got some receiver depth, just overall pass catching depth. Uh, Browns winning the AFC North this year with all that, uh, all that depth and Deshaun Watson bouncing back. All right, the Dallas Cowboys, reasons for optimism in Dallas coming off a tough playoff loss in San Francisco. Uh, I, I, first off, the weak NFC. When, when you're going through and saying, who are the favorites in the NFC? It's like, well, the Eagles and the Niners and the Cowboys are still right there, right? There were, there were times over the last couple of years where the Cowboys looked like a dominant Super Bowl caliber team. So this year they're going to get more consistent. But the, mo- the specific thing that I like this offseason was addressing their weaknesses in free agency or via trade, right? With, uh, with Brandon Cooks, with Stephon Gilmore. Uh, go, not going into the draft, you know, needing a third receiver, or you know, not going into the draft, needing a starting cornerback. Um, and, and even though those guys are veterans and a little bit older, Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore can still play, and they're going to be much needed additions for the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, we've said this for a long time now that Dak Prescott might be the most sort of uh, sensitive quarterback in the NFL to changes in his supporting cast and environment generally. Got to say it nicely on the Optimism Show, Sam. I am. You gotta, you gotta. Well, I mean, posit that nicely. No, no, I don't need to. I don't. I don't. That's that's irrelevant because the point being, they they did that. They addressed and they improved his supporting cast this year. So, Prescott last year, they you know let go one of they, Amari Cooper left. They didn't really replace him, at least not well enough. And we saw a drop off in Dak Prescott this season. They went and or this off season, they went and got Brandon Cooks who is still a really high-level receiver. Um, Michael Gallup should be better next year, a year removed from that injury. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb is the number one. You still have either the young guys or the gimmick guys in Jalen Tolbert, Kevante Turpin. That should be as good as any receiving core that Dak Prescott has had so far in his career, which means you should be looking for the best version of Dak Prescott, which, as we know, the best version of Dak Prescott is well capable of leading an elite NFL offense, and that does propel the Cowboys into you know true contender status. Plus, you're going to have guys like Tyron Smith coming back. He'll be healthy. He'll make it through the entire season. All that great stuff adding up to the Cowboys. Is this the year, Sam, the Cowboys at least go to the Super Bowl? Of course it is. This is the year. I'm Dallas gonna, is going to the Super yeah. Bowl for the first time since 1995. Mark it down here in the Optimism Show. I'm just going to quietly get out of the way and, and stay quiet enough so that the social media guys can clip all these and let you, you know, be old takes <laughs> exposed for every one of them. We should just put like 20 of them out there at a time. It's like Steve <laughs> predicts Cowboys win the Super Bowl. Steve, Steve predicts the Eagles win the Super Bowl. It's like, ah, this doesn't make any sense. I'll be right. I'll be right. Maybe. All right, Denver Broncos are next up. This is easy. Yeah. Sean Payton's here. John Payton is in town. Everything's going to be great. How bad can it be? It, it can't be any worse than last year. Sean Payton is going to turn everything around. So it's not just it's going to be better than last year, but Sean Payton is the savior for the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson, circa 2015, 
turn back the clock. He's going to be more athletic. He's going to be throwing the ball down the field. Broncos are going to cook in the AFC West. Yes. I mean, it, regardless of where you think Sean Payton can get uh, Russell Wilson to, it's important to understand the quarterbacks that Sean Payton has won games with. Like, he isn't just a product of having Drew Brees as his quarterback for, you know, a decade. He won, he had an incredible record regardless of who was the quarterback, whether it was Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, um, the, the man was turning like Taysom Hill was actually not exactly great, but was workable. Like it was functioning as a quarterback in Denver or in, in New Orleans. So I, regardless of where this, this lands, and I think it's one of the widest ranges of outcomes of any quarterback and therefore offense in the NFL, it's going to be Sean Payton's going to do the best job in terms of maximizing your chances of actually winning with that. They're going to win the AFC West. Any uh, bold declarations from you here on the Optimism Show, Sam? Oh, no, that's all you. Okay, I got nothing other than Sean Payton's going to turn it all around for the Denver Broncos. You you heard it here first. Okay. Sean Payton, reason for optimism in Denver. All right, the Detroit Lions. This is easy. Everything. Everything. It's all good. Everything's getting better in Detroit. They've gotten better the last few years under Dan Campbell. They'll continue to get better. They've, they've got Jared Goff. Like, they're, they're so good. Lions fans believe that Jared Goff is the second best quarterback in the NFC, which he is for this show, which he is. They've got no holes. They went from a roster of all holes, no <laughs> holes. Show me where, where, where's the weakness in Detroit? Is it the defensive line? Is it the secondary? Nope, not with those offseason additions. Cameron Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley and uh, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Where are the holes in Detroit? There are none. They're the favorite in the NFC North. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason for optimism is that they are, I think, truly the favorite. Uh, Green Bay, they lost Aaron Rodgers. They shouldn't be the favorite with Jordan Love at quarterback. The Minnesota Vikings, I think, probably didn't get any better this offseason. If they did, it was minimal. At which point, Detroit, who was on the verge of the playoffs a year ago with a lot of holes in that roster, should be the the, the favorite right now because they they filled a lot of those holes and a lot of those young players that they had are presumably only going to get better. Aiden Hutchinson on the second half of the year in his rookie season was playing as well as any uh, edge rusher in the NFL. Elin McNeil, you know, has already taken steps forward as well. James Houston barely played, but when he did, he was a, a really effective pass rusher. So if those guys can take steps forward in year two, uh, year three, et cetera, then that team is absolutely cooking. Get Jack Campbell in the first round. I'll, I'll say this realistically, too. The Lions have Ben Johnson, who was, you know, your favorite offensive coordinator last year, did an outstanding job, and they've got speed. Speed, they've got shiftiness on that offense. They've just got playmakers, right? Jamison Williams, uh, if, if he if he finds his footing this year as a deep threat, to go with a guy like Gibbs as a great space player and Amonra St. Brown, who works the underneath routes extremely well, and Sam Laporta as a, an athletic tight end, they've got some playmakers in Detroit, so... You know, I was, I was joking a little bit about all the optimism before, but realistically, what they have on offense uh, with a solid offensive line and an you know, intriguing group of playmakers, there is a lot of reason for optimism in Detroit. Yeah, no, the, I mean, they're one of the ones where you don't have to fake it. Like The Lions should absolutely... No, we're not. Lions fans should absolutely be optimistic and, and looking forward to this season in a way that they won't have for a large number of years. I mean, they should absolutely 
be division favorites, I think. And, okay, Jamison Williams is going to miss, what, six games with a suspension? But to be honest, that might not be a bad thing. Like, keep him, keep your powder dry with Jamison Williams and then a third of the way through the season, unleash him on the rest of the, year, uh, the league with the speed that he can bring. Um, yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal outlook for the Lions. So some, sometimes I like to turn into the message board homer, you know, for the answer. So as the Green Bay Packers come up here, this, this could be straight from a Packers message board. Reason for optimism starts with Jordan Love. Yeah. Jordan Love. I mean, we've, we've been down this path before. We have a history as Packers owners here of creating Hall of Fame quarterbacks from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and it'll be a smooth transition to Jordan Love. Same exact pattern, 30 years in the making. Jordan Love is our next Hall of Famer. And you know what? I don't, you know, sometimes you know, I, I, I don't feel great saying this, but I think it's better that Aaron Rodgers is gone as Packers fans, as a Packers owner. He was holding us down. How, how could that guy not win a championship? More than one championship. Not one in the last decade. It was time to move on from Aaron Rodgers. He didn't want to be here. We don't want him. It's Jordan Love's team now. There's no more drama. There is just clarity. Jordan Love is our guy. You saw what he did in that mop-up game against the Eagles. You mm-hmm. saw that. Jordan Love to Christian Watson. They might have 25 touchdowns next year. Watson's going to have 2,500 yards because it's a 17-game schedule. We're going to break all the records. So, of course, we're optimistic in Green Bay because the next Hall of Fame quarterback, come on down, Jordan Love, you're up in Green Bay. Yeah. Now, you know, last season entirety – was 21 dropbacks. That's a pretty small number. But the largest number of those dropbacks came in that one game against Philadelphia where he had his best grade. You know, he looked fantastic. 113 yards, 12.6 per attempt. Okay, there was a lot of after the catch in one of those. Uh, A touchdown in there. Like, the largest portion of playing time we saw from Jordan Love was when he looked at his best. And, you know, there has to be something to the idea that the Packers finally decided this was the time, right? It's it's now or never. We've seen enough from Jordan Love to think that we can move on from Aaron Rodgers this offseason. We don't have to play this game continually until Rodgers decides it's time to be done. We can start the process now. Uh, okay, they undermine that slightly by then, like, basically saying we're not picking up your fifth-year option. you got to sign this weird contract extension instead. But it's the optimism show, so we'll choose to believe that was just business. You know, They knew that they could out-negotiate Jordan Love, and they did it. But the initial sign of confidence in their young project quarterback is the reason for optimism. There you go. Get on board, Sam. Packers, you you know, you think the Bears or the Lions, you think these next teams are going to take over the NFC North? It's still the Packers division, even though the Vikings won it last year. Still the Packers owning the NFC North because Jordan Love has taken over. All right, Houston Texans time. Gear up, Sam. Get ready. Houston Texans. Reason for optimism? They've got players now. They've got good players. They It, it took them a while. It took them a couple of years, but they've been adding good players. Derek Stingley's going to bounce back in year two uh, as, the, as the number three overall pick. Will Anderson's going to be as advertised, and they got the number two quarterback in the draft in C.J. Stroud. And they have a great offensive coordinator and former PFF for Bobby Sloan. You add all of those together, all those pieces, got to be real excited in Houston. I can't believe it took you that long to get to the real reason for optimism, which is the man running the show on offense is a former PFF NFL podcast alumni, PFF Bobby. 
former yeah. senior analyst, just like you and I, that man is now their offensive coordinator, pulling all the strings, tasked with making C.J. Stroud into the next uh, Houston Texans starting quarterback. That's their reason for optimism. And even if you extend it beyond Bobby, D'Amico Ryans looks like a great coach as well. So they hired a phenomenal coaching ticket, I think, to get both sides of the, the ball in Houston humming and you know taken from that San Francisco team that's been so successful the last few years. You're right. I did slow play the Bobby Slowick mention, but you know, it is, I like the way you laid it out, right? As a PFF NFL podcast alumni, it is like you and I just calling plays for an NFL <laughs> exactly. team right now. It's basically the same thing. The same thing. Uh, Bobby's the same as us and, you know, just rolling and out they, and he's just going to start calling plays. They did that thing that you've talked about all for years of taking a defensive guy and moving him to the other side of the ball, right? Or vice versa. Like Bobby Slowick, when he came to PFF, was a defensive minded uh, person who, you know, his his most. His, his biggest NFL experience had been with linebackers in, in Washington. Um, you know, he, his big thing was kind of working through all the coverages and all those kinds of things. And now he is an offensive-minded guy, you know, using that knowledge of defense to attack defenses. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you just knowing the other side of the ball and applying that. So Bobby's going to be great in Houston. Reasons for optimism in Houston because uh, they're going to be so much better. This year, because they've got some players, they got a great play caller, head coach, and it's all coming together for the Texans. All right, staying in the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts. Reason for optimism? Well, you, know, you could say the draft and the athleticism, but you always have a reason for optimism when you bring in the new quarterback, the potential home run selection of Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida at the no- as the number four overall pick. Anthony Richardson is going to hit everything about him. Accuracy, he's going to figure it out. Uh, the athleticism is going to be off the charts right off the bat. You have a young quarterback to build around, uh, much like uh, whoever we said previously, the Panthers, right? Instead of just going from retread to retread, you have a QB to build around. Yeah, and I like the fit for this QB as well. Like, I, I'm not sure I'd necessarily be that excited about Anthony Richardson in any offense in the NFL, but the fact that they are sending him to a team – who just did this with Jalen Hurts has to be encouraging. Like, you need to know how you're going to get the most out of a guy like Anthony Richardson, who brings literally peerless athleticism and, and a physical uh, skill set to the table at the quarterback position, but hasn't been a particularly good quarterback yet. Um, they just did this game plan with Jalen Hurts, who was further along as a passing quarterback, as a, a pocket type passer in college than Richardson was, but still was was a world away from being ready from day one in the NFL, and they leaned on his rushing ability, which I think isn't as good as Anthony Richardson. So the real reason for optimism, I think, is yes, you've got your quarterback, but also he is paired with a coach who should know what to do with that and be able to craft an offense that maybe doesn't succeed in an incredible way year one, but it's functional and props it up enough that you can comfortably go into year two and year three knowing that as long as he takes steps forward, this thing will work. And, you know, if the Philadelphia pathway holds, then year three, year four is where you're targeting a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's all looking good in Indianapolis. You know, the the old line looked like it was falling apart last year. That's not going to happen again. They're going to be – they're still good on paper. They're going to bounce back. So all looking good in Indianapolis. 
the third AFC South team in a row, alphabetically. Hmm. The Jacksonville Jaguars, this one easy, obviously. You know, Trevor Lawrence, he turned the corner last year. He's a superstar. Trevor Lawrence, is he's arrived. He is there. And you have Calvin Ridley, great pickup in the offseason coming off the suspension. Trevor Lawrence, he's got guys to throw to. You have this nice athletic defense with guys like Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd, last year's first rounders. They're going to turn the corner in year two as well. So all looking good in Jacksonville. Doug Peterson, full year, right? Doug gets in there last year at this time. He's doing he's doing therapy for all the players coming off the Urban Meyer season. You don't have to worry about therapy, right? That OTAs is not going to be you know therapy sessions anymore. It's going to be about football, right? So you're not going to get off to that slow start in Jacksonville. I know they started two and one, then they slowed down. Jacksonville is going to hit the ground running this year because uh, they got all the pieces in place. Yeah, the, the optimism would be if the pattern that looks like it, it manifested last season of Trevor Lawrence from week nine onwards was graded basically as good as any quarterback in the NFL. If you want to look at that and say it took eight weeks to get the Urban Meyer stink off this whole thing, and from week nine on, that's when we got to see the generational talent of Trevor Lawrence um, emerge and become a real force at the NFL level. If that is true and not just a pattern that your mind is applying to not a random set of data, but an arbitrary cutoff in the season, then everything is great for Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence has actually started to be that player, the generational talent, the best prospect since Peyton Manning, John Elway, whoever it is, then yeah, that's that's as encouraging as you can be uh, or encouraged as you can be uh, for a fan base. And, and realistically, when we, when we talk about the loaded teams in the AFC and we always start with, say, the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills and you know, the Ravens in that mix when Lamar's healthy and all that stuff. It will be fascinating to see if Trevor Lawrence really does play at that level, like, he, you know, from week nine on, whatever it might be. If he is at that level, are they legitimately putting the, their names into that conversation, right? Can, can Trevor Lawrence help elevate the Jags to that level of consistency, even in a deep AFC where everybody's going to beat up on each other? It could be. You know, if, if you get legitimate Trevor Lawrence, they're right there in the mix every single year. Much like the next team, the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions. Pretty easy reasons for optimism. But, you know, having Patrick Mahomes, having Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, they're all still cooking. Um, but I think very specifically last year, yeah, they won the they won the championship. That's 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 good. That's a good thing. They but they proved they could win without Tyreek Hill. Right? Proving that they could win and create offense without Tyreek Hill was massive, and they bounced back great from a 2021 where it's like, oh, the league figured them out. They slowed them down just a little bit. Nope, not really. Mahomes, Reed, Kelsey, still going, and uh, that was a big one for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, obviously your, your reason for optimism is that you start every season as the presumptive favorite, essentially, for the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reed, etc. They've just won it, therefore they're, they're automatically the, the presumptive favorite. Um, but you're right, last season, your reasons for optimism is that they've already shown that they can evolve beyond what they were. You know, they've, they've gone through that first iteration of teams figuring out something that caused them problems and then discovering the counter or finding a way to, to work against it. And Tyreek Hill has traded away. That probably went a large way towards changing the whole dynamic because the motivation for teams playing those coverages was a lot lower without Tyreek Hill. But Last season, they showed that they can counter the rest of the league, which is inevitable for every elite player, every elite scheme, every elite coach. 
the NFL finds a counter to it after a couple of years, and then you need to find the next iteration. You need to find the next uh, evolution of whatever it is that's working, and they've already shown the ability and the capacity to do that, which means as long as they have that core, or even just Mahomes and Kel- and, uh, and Andy Reid, they should be in line for Super Bowls. It's a great point, Sam. I mean, we're, we're, we're guilty as well of uh, overreacting sometimes to uh, short you know, bursts of play or whatever it might be. Uh, but when elite players like a Patrick Mahomes get that first real curveball from the league and show that they can adjust, that's huge. I mean, every great player has had to do that through the years. You take away something and you, you, know, you have to change your game or whatever it might be. So that was great to see. Plus, last year was supposed to be a bit of a rebuild for Kansas City, right? It was they get rid of Tyreek Hill. You add a ton of young players, draft picks to the mix. And, and they were supposed to be pointed to the 2023 season as, okay, that's when we'll really get back to being the favorite in the AFC. And they just did it anyway. They won the championship anyway, and they're still uh, well-positioned for the future in Kansas City. All right, Los Angeles Rams, reason for optimism with the Rams. I know there's a lot going wrong there. I know there's a lot of roster turnover, but I'm just going to lean on the fact that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are coming back. They're coming back. They're going to be healthy. And I will say this, as as many question marks as you see on the Rams roster, both sides of the ball, if Stafford and Cup play to the 2021 Super Bowl level, the Rams are going to be good again. They'll be good again. And Stafford and Cup coming back puts them right back on the map in a week. NFC. Are you uh, are you deliberately erasing the Las Vegas Raiders, or are you working on a L dot A alphabetical list that jumps the LA teams above the Raiders? I'm just trying to yeah. So I you. copied and pasted a list from a spreadsheet that was made by someone else. Okay, I'm just and trying I to prevent- believe it was based off of the abbreviation. Okay, I'm just I'm just trying to prevent you forgetting the. The Titans again. You know, it's something that's happened in the past. I'm just making sure that you're not no, planning on fair. completely forgetting about the Raiders and, and, you know, doing the whole show without them. So I copied from a spreadsheet from someone else. I do have 32 teams in there. The Titans are on the list. Okay. And it's going to go L.A. Rams, L.A. Chargers, Las Vegas Raiders, because right. I believe the alpha, uh, alphabetization <laughs> occurred with the with the abbreviations, so the Rams are up first. I think. Look, I think I think you can make the case that L period A period is ahead of LAS. Yeah. Like I think that works. Yeah, listen, I, you can't filibuster adding something positive about the Rams here. You can't you can't stall and delay, and you know you you actually have to contribute something here for the Rams. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, look, the reasons for optimism for the Rams are the same as they've always been with Shaw, uh, with. Um, with Sean McVay as head coach. Like, that's a really good starting point. They have a high-end NFL head coach. They have a former uh, PFF NFL podcast alumni, Zach Robinson, coaching quarterbacks. Also, yeah. Again, yeah. always a good starting point. Uh, big-time throw cast. Yes, big-time throw cast. It's almost hard to believe that didn't keep him around. Um, like, they have – they've got players. They didn't – blow this entire thing up sure trading away Jalen Ramsey that's a pretty significant piece that's that's not no longer there but this is not a roster that got detonated because of how bad things got they still have a lot of the pieces and the reasons they were successful still there 
maybe last season was just the inevitable sort of other end of the variant spectrum where if you don't if those things don't all function or if the other things that need to function while you have that stars and scrubs scrubs approach don't then the whole thing uh, unravels but there's the rams can be successful next year there's no reason they need to be as bad as they were last season all right now moving on to the other la team alphabetically by their abbreviation the los angeles chargers this is an easy one, Sam. Yeah. This is their year. That's why you should be optimistic if you're a Chargers fan. This is their year. Sure, they win the championship every year in May, June, and July. Okay, of course they're the favorite in the offseason every single year. And, and we all kind of get burnt, both as you know prognosticators, but also as Chargers fans. You get burnt a little bit. But who's going to beat this Chargers team? Who? What could go wrong with this Chargers team adding a Quinton Johnston as your wide receiver three to go with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. You got the player coming back, number three. Are we back? Are we on to the player? Because they're in OTAs, right? Off and on, we got OTAs over these next few weeks and everything. We don't want that dude getting hurt. So you got the player, number three, the do-it-all defensive superstar for the Chargers. Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa rushing the passer up front. You know J.C. Jackson's going to bounce back as uh, after his rough season last year. The Chargers have all the pieces in place, Sam. And this is their year for no other reason than it's the optimism show. And I'm saying this is the year the Chargers surpass the Chiefs and every other team in the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. The reason for optimism for the Chargers would would be it can't like at some point it can't happen to them every year. (laughs) Surely just sooner or later, one year has to roll around where everybody doesn't get hurt and stays healthy and. You know, if that happens, then the optimism that's been there for the last 10 straight years, it's not like it's been unfounded every offseason. It's just that the reasons for the optimism dissipate once the key players that everybody was invested in break a hip or tear something or, you know, just fall off the face of the earth because of whatever curse is placed on this team. But at this point, the run they've been on of that happening is crazy. Like at some stage, it has to reverse, and you just get a even moderately lucky season of injuries, and then they're immediately contenders. You get Kellen Moore coming in, you know. I mean, and honestly, that is a big part. If Kellen Moore can extract a little bit more aggressiveness out of Justin Herbert, That's Herbert heads one. into uh, year four of his career. He's ready to take. He's ready to take the next step as well as as a passer. Right? We we believe in Herbert as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I believe he showed that, and uh, they've. Got all the pieces in L.A. The, yeah, the, the Kellen Moore thing, I think, is a, that's a good reason for optimism. We know that Justin Herbert is incredibly talented. We also know that in his NFL career so far, he has skewed a little too much on the conservative end of the spectrum. But that offensive scheme, I think, has pushed him in that direction as well. So we're in this world where... A little like it was with uh, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. You know, how much of it is Rodgers? How much of it is McCarthy's offense? Where is the balance there? It's probably a little bit of both. That's where we are with Justin Herbert right now. And if it turns out it was mostly the scheme, mostly the offense, mostly the play designs, and you change that and go to Kellen Moore, we could see a huge jump forward in, in Justin Herbert next year. All right, now on to the Las Vegas Raiders. And just in the last week, we've learned that Jimmy Garoppolo basically failed his physical and is not even guaranteed to be on the roster this year. So I'm going to make up that scenario that people are talking about where Tom Brady, part owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, is coming back 
Are you allowed to play for a team that you're a part owner of? I don't know. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. <laughs> Tom Brady's coming back. He's going to be throwing to Devontae Adams and his old friend Jacoby Myers. Hunter Renfro is going to be the next, next Wes Welker with 130 catches this year. Michael Mayer is going to be the next Gronk. And TB12 at age 46 goes out there and brings the Raiders to the Super Bowl. That is optimistic. Um, I mean, it's the optimism show, so I, I find it difficult to focus too much on that Jimmy Garoppolo contract. <laughs> yeah, it's a great thing that you don't have to pay the, the always injured quarterback a giant sum of guaranteed money. On the other hand, if that's your option and you go, well, we're just going to cut him instead of having to pay him, well, now your quarterback is Aiden O'Connell or Brian Hoyer. I mean, that's not that's, – that's terrible. So, Aiden O'Connell is exciting. I'll, if Aiden O'Connell is the quarterback – Stop. And you're like a Devontae Adams fantasy owner, as Stop. I am, actually. You're a Devontae Adams fantasy owner. I have no concerns about get him getting the ball to his playmakers. I have some concerns about him throwing the ball to, you know, the Chiefs, the Chargers, yeah. the Broncos. I have no concerns about Aiden O'Connell getting the ball to his playmakers and throwing the ball. That would actually be fun. That'd be a reason for optimism. Tune in, tune in every week because Aiden O'Connell is fun. Yeah. I mean, I think you need okay, to factor in. Realistically, I do like their group of playmakers. Yeah, their playmakers are great. Devontae Adams showed like last that season that he's not you know, dependent on Aaron Rodgers. He can have an incredible season with, with a different quarterback. Jacoby Myers was um, – like he's been – I think he's a little bit unfairly maligned because he's been the, the kind of – he's been held up as this emblematic problem in the New England receiving core for the last several years. And then this year it was like – he was emblematic of how bad the receiving group was in free agency, but he's a good receiver. And if Devontae Adams is your number one and Jacoby Myers is your number two, that's great. Hunter Renfro in there as well. Like that is a really good group of pass catchers. Josh Jacobs, yeah, maybe you can argue about, you know, do you want to pay a running back the franchise tag sum of money? But he, he was fantastic last season. So Michael Mayer in the draft, this is a really, really good group of playmakers and if they can keep or get let's get jimmy garoppolo healthy then keep jimmy garoppolo healthy for any extended period of time um that offense can and should be really good so yeah tyree wilson up front as well to go with max crosby and chandler jones it's all looking good for the raiders on the optimism show here all looking good all right miami dolphins are next and uh, I'll just say my reason for optimism is Tua, Tua is going to stay healthy. And, and the fact that, look, Tua looked like pretty much the quarterback that we expected coming out last year. And I, I know it was a favorable system. It was favorable speed receivers who were getting open. But he's got that same ecosystem this year. And Tua got to be what he is. is a good distributor of the football. He was uh, extremely efficient throwing the ball down the field. He didn't have the arm limitations that showed up the first couple of years because guys were running wide open because you have Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill and all that speed on that side of the ball. You've got speed at running back. You have the second year of Mike McDaniel and his offense coming from the Kyle Shanahan tree. And uh, Miami looking great there, plus the Jalen Ramsey addition in the secondary. So you might have the best corner duo. If those guys play to their potential, Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard, maybe the best corner duo in the NFL. So there's a lot of potential in Miami and on the Optimism Show. All of that potential hits this year. So you should be really excited if you're a Miami fan or a Miami Heat fan as they destroyed the Celtics last night in Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, 
this might be the best coach team in the NFL if you look at both sides of the ball. Um, you've got Mike McDaniel showed last season that that offense not just works outside of Kyle Shanahan, but can actually do as well, if not better, given what they were doing with Tua uh, Tagovailoa healthy. Mike White has a great insurance policy for Tua. Uh, White has shown the ability to put up numbers as a backup in a worse offense, even if the system you know shares some connections. Um, if Mike White was plugged in last season instead of Skylar Thompson, Miami probably does significantly better. And remember, Vic Fangio is now over coaching the defense. So Vic Fangio coaching that collection of uh, defensive backs in particular that they have, Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Cam Smith in the draft, um, that is a real, really terrifying defense. Their defensive front is good. This might be the best coach team in the NFL uh, across both sides of the football, which is a fantastic starting point. All right, moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, reasons for optimism. For me, Sam, it's going to start on the defensive side of the ball. The First off, they can't be as bad as they were last year defensively. After a great week one, it all fell apart uh, for the Minnesota Vikings defensively. Way too many open receivers in the secondary. But they did it with a decent pass rush, and they did it with last year's top two draft picks, basically not playing football. Lewis Seen uh, at safety, Andrew Booth at cornerback. Those guys you know, hardly played. They're coming back. Add those guys to the mix. Brian Flores taking, taking over the defense. And uh, the wins were real. It's the optimism show. The wins were all real. They were all real last year. The Vikings were the best team in the NFC North by a mile. And they've got key players coming back. Obviously, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson. They're going to hit on Jordan Addison as the their number two wide receiver, their first round pick. So uh, all is looking good in Minnesota here on the optimism show. So I think the reason for optimism is last season showed what is possible. They just need the wins to to arrange themselves in a different order. Um, the Vikings are always going to be challenging for the playoffs. They're in that world right now where the strategy appears to be, let's get, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 wins. Let's stay in that bracket. And most years that will put us in the playoffs. Every now and again we'll get unlucky and we'll miss. But – once you're there, anything can happen. And they showed last season that you can go on a run of apparently 11 um, one-score games all bouncing in your direction, right? Crazy plays, fourth and 18, one-handed catches that rank amongst the greatest of all time. You can have a sequence of weird plays all go your way and end up with something special. So for the Vikings, all they need to do is to do their normal regular season thing, get your 10 wins in a bad NFC, make the playoffs, and then that's when they need the run to happen, right? That's when they need to catch the high end of variance where 4th and 18, crazy play happens, another Minneapolis miracle, whatever. But that's, that's the run you need. Like, just focus on those four games you're going to need once you hit the playoffs. You heard it here first. Minnesota Vikings going to the Super Bowl next year. All of the wins are going to go in the right order, meaning uh, in the playoffs. Vikings to the Super Bowl here in the Optimism Show. Uh, New England Patriots are up next. I'm going to start with Bill O'Brien coming in to call plays yeah. instead of uh, defensive coordinator Matt Patricia calling plays. So that's a starting point for optimism for New England for the New England Patriots, but also the defense. The defense was very good last year outside of a couple games. First three draft picks added a ton of athleticism to that side of the ball as well. Christian Gonzalez, uh, Keon White, Marte Mapu. So the defense is looking great in New England and 
anytime you give Mac Jones a non-defensive coordinator as a play caller, the Patriots go to the playoffs. It's uh, 100% <laughs> foolproof Mac Jones playoff caliber quarterback when you don't give him rocket scientist defensive coordinator Matt Patricia. So the Patriots are set up this year with Bill O'Brien to get back to the playoffs and beyond. Yeah, I mean, the reason, yes, Bill O'Brien coming in should help Mac Jones. But Mac Jones, I think, is himself the reason for optimism. Like, we, I think, forget, because year two was so bad, how good he looked right out of the box, particularly when compared with the rest of the quarterbacks in that draft class. Now, in a lot of people's eyes, he was the fifth best quarterback in that group behind Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Um, no matter where you put him. In his rookie season, he ended up with a PFF grade of 80. The next highest guy from that uh, quarterback group was Justin Fields at 64. So more than 15 grading points higher. The gap was even bigger if you just look at passing grade. Mac Jones showed that he can come in and do exactly what he's supposed to do in terms of distribute the ball, generally not make a ton of mistakes, um, be efficient, be accurate, operate an NFL offense at a high level immediately. And then everything fell apart because they didn't have a viable, coherent coaching strategy in year two, the combination of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. It was, it was just a mess. If they give him, and remember, Bill O'Brien, as maligned as he became at the end of the Houston tenure, it was more like Bill O'Brien, the GM, than Bill O'Brien, the head coach. This is a good offensive-minded play-calling coach if he's able to get the maximum out of Mac Jones, I think that player is a lot better than people are picturing. And, and realistically, I mean, we're we're being optimistic for everybody, but even just being realistic as well, it, the Patriots are going to be a tough team. Uh, obviously, the whole AFC East is loaded, and there's a lot of good teams around the AFC, but the Patriots are going to be a tough team to beat this year because of all those things that we just mentioned. Yeah. All right, New Orleans Saints, reasons for optimism. Derek Carr coming to town. Their best quarterback in the NFC South is in New Orleans again. And they're going to be healthy. Michael Thomas is coming back. He's going to look just like pre-injury Michael Thomas. And their offensive line's not going to be beat up like they were. And they've got this youth movement on the defensive line. And they still play championship-caliber defense. Maybe not every week, but they still have that ability with uh, you know in, in New Orleans with Marshawn Lattimore leading the way at corner. So lots of like. For the Saints. Yeah, I mean, the biggest reason for optimism is this is a very bad division and this is not a very bad roster. So immediately the Saints, I think, should be favorites in that division for almost lack of competition, if for no other reason. Derek Carr, yeah, he might not be able to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen on a weekly basis, but he should be good enough to win you the NFC South, at which point you're in the same bucket as the Minnesota Vikings of once you get there, anything can happen. Yeah, it's, and it's not just Michael Thomas. Chris Olave in year two, he was outstanding as a rookie at receiver. Rashid Shahid, he became that deep threat for the Saints. He was uncoverable at times, as was Jawan Johnson, a tight end, working the middle of the field. And then uh, Derek Carr reunited with Foster Moreau at tight end. A lot of good things in New Orleans. But most importantly, the NFC South is theirs because the rest of the division is weak. Saints are winning the NFC South here on the Optimism Show. All right, the New York Giants. Reasons for optimism for the Giants. Last year was real, Sam. It was all real. Right? Brian Dable comes in. Joe Shane at GM. But but Dable showed the team how to win. 
and they can only go up from here. They were they they won a playoff game, right? They were one game away from the NFC Championship. They're getting over that. They're they're going to move forward. They're going to move past that. They they locked up Daniel Jones because he deserved it because he was a great runner and he executed that offense. He had an, he had one of the best playoff games of all time against the Minnesota Vikings of all time. And hmm. the Giants, their aggressive defense, it's not crazy, it's aggressive. Their aggressive defense, they're difficult to stop offense because of Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, what they can do creatively in the run game, and the fact that they already know how to win. They're going to know how to win even more this year in New York. Okay. Um, I think they've added smartly, intelligently from a year ago. Uh, They had a lot of weaknesses despite the success that they had last season. So a lot like the Bengals from a couple of years ago, they didn't just think that everything was great because they were able to overcome those. They targeted those weaknesses. John Michael Schmitz in the second round was a phenomenal draft pick, a guy that we were mocking to them all the way through in the first round. A lot of other people were as well. More additions to the the receiving core, the the kind of skill position players. Darren Waller is a great gamble. Even if it doesn't work out, we know his ceiling is through the roof. Um, Wandale Robinson, they barely saw anything of because of injuries they should actually see what he can do Jalen Hyatt in the third round I think was a really good value pick as well um, because even if he is only a one-dimensional deep threat from the slot that's really valuable in the NFL like that will scare defenses and cause them to play the game in a certain shell of coverages they can't go to other things because otherwise it's an immediate touchdown um evan neal if he takes a step forward we already saw andrew thomas get better in year two or three evan neal was a top draft pick a tackle if he takes a step that offensive line immediately goes from liability to eh, that might be okay maybe one week link out of five instead of three or four out of five um and deontay banks a corner like that's the perfect corner for this Wink Martindale type of defense where these guys are, are out on an island, you know, mirroring corners one-on-one all day long. Adoree Jackson, Amani Oruarie coming in as well. Um, Oruarie, I think, is a player that suits this type of defensive scheme. So I think that they have targeted a bunch of their weaker areas and improved them across the board if those players hit. I don't really want to mention it on the Optimism Show. I'm sure I will when we preview the season. But there's a chance, just an outside chance, that the Giants are a much better team this year and it might not show up in the record. I'm, I'm not saying that here on the Optimism Show because it will show up in the record and they'll be in the NFC Championship and beyond in New York. But I'm just saying, like, everything that you just laid out there, yeah, I mean, I like a lot of what the Giants are doing from a roster standpoint. Speaking of liking what they're doing, also in New York or New Jersey, the Jets, Aaron Rodgers is coming to town, baby. Mm-hmm. This is it. I mean, they were a playoff team last year if they just got competent quarterback play yeah if they just got a few more games of mike white instead of what zach wilson brought to the table which was which was not great and now you have aaron Rodgers showing no signs of regression he's gonna play like he's 30 not 40 still has the arm he's brought some friends you got garrett wilson ready to be the next Devonte adams you have maybe the best corner in the nfl and sauce gardner all is looking good for the jets in 23 Yeah, I mean, it really is Aaron Rodgers. Um, If Rodgers plays like he did last year, which, remember, was seen as a letdown, like a disappointing season, and what's what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers, if he plays like that, the Jets should be in the playoffs comfortably. Um, And I think there's every reason to think he can go back to being the player that he was before that, the back-to-back MVP caliber year, because 
there's no physical sign that anything has happened to him. He looks as good now as he did, you know, those two years or even previously in his career. And we kind of predicted that kind of decline coming just because of what the receiving core looked like. It's exactly the same as it was the last time he didn't have a legit number one receiver to throw to back in 2015. Now he's got Garrett Wilson, who looked fantastic as a rookie despite the Mike White, um, Zach Wilson, you know, Chris Streveler train wreck at quarterback that they had. Garrett Wilson with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball could go to the absolute moon in terms of production. They've also brought in Mikal Hardman, Alan Lazard. Your guy Corey Davis is still there, but now is like a three or a four. Denzel Mims is somehow still clinging to this roster. They have a good group of receiving talent. Loaded up on the defensive line with Will McDonald at, at pick 15 to go with Carl Lawson and Quinn and Williams. Uh, they won't be as injured on the offensive line this year so they'll you know they'll be healthier and they've they've actually if everybody stays healthy they've actually got some depth rather than a, a liability on the offensive line so uh jets afc east champions this year with aaron <laughs> Rodgers coming to town uh philadelphia eagles this is easy everything's good everything's good in yeah. philadelphia as well right? i mean if, if jalen hurts just doesn't drop the ball just one play if he just doesn't put the ball on the turf they're super bowl champs and and the eagles with their accelerated rebuild over the last couple of years, finding a Jalen Hurts in the second round, they locked him up. They know that he's their guy going into 23 and beyond. You have all the O-line and the playmakers in the defensive line in place. They just crushed the draft with all the new Georgia Bulldogs that they brought in. All is good in Philadelphia. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's difficult not to find reasons for optimism for the Eagles. Um, any areas like this offseason, was it? Vaguely tricky one to navigate. They were going to lose some players. They've done a really good job of backfilling or future-proofing any areas that they were going to have losses. Um, They somehow brought back both Darius Slay and James Bradbury. That looked extremely unlikely before the free agency, before the offseason. It felt almost sure that they were going to lose one of those guys. Um, That defensive line looks as strong and as deep as it's ever done. They've got areas of strength pretty much everywhere and as you say they were like one play away from winning it last year and unlike Kansas City who are going to start off basically every year as the the prohibitive favorite to get back to the Super Bowl in the AFC in the NFC the Eagles have a much easier pathway like similar they're prohibitive favorites in the conference but they've got like one or two other teams that they've got to navigate whereas Kansas City has to run the gauntlet that is the AFC every single year. All right, staying in Pennsylvania, it's Pittsburgh Steelers time. And I'm just going to start with they've – I just think they've had a great offseason. Overall, they've had a great offseason. Uh, you know, Omar Khan taking over as general manager and just going into free agency enough. It, not really the Steelers' way historically, but bringing in Isaac Sayamalu to, to, to make the offensive line better, uh, getting – and Allen Robinson for pennies on the dollar to add him to George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. I think the Steelers are doing the right things with a with a, a rookie contract quarterback in Kenny Pickett, and then they crush the draft. You know, they get Joey Porter Jr. at the top of the second round when it wouldn't have been crazy if they just picked him with their original selection at pick 17, mm-hmm. uh, adding Darnell Washington in the third. The Steelers crushed the draft. I thought they did a great job bringing in Good players in free agency, not the not necessarily the biggest names, but the good players. And Kenny Pickett looked good last year. Didn't always show up on the stat sheet, but he did look good last year. 
and they've made the situation better around him. Yeah, I think Kenny Pickett played significantly better than his statistics would show. So Brock Purdy ended up with a 75 passing grade. And because he plays in the San Francisco offense, he had 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, uh, 8.3 yards per attempt. Like the stats were through the roof. That's a pass rating of 108, uh, a completion rate of 66.5. Like just numbers were nuts. Um, Kenny Pickett had a slightly worse grade, 73. So two grading points worse. But he had seven touchdowns, nine interceptions, 6.2 yards per attempt, uh, and a passer rating of 77. And I think the largest difference between those two last season was the coaching. I mean, Brock Purdy was playing in the Shanahan system that we know is a cheat code for offensive success, and Kenny Pickett was not. (laughs) Very was not. So I think Kenny Pickett, I did not love him as a prospect at all coming out, but I think he showed significantly more year one than I was expecting to see from him. And I would be very optimistic from a Steelers point of view that with that receiving core of Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, um, they bring in Allen Robinson, a great low risk type of addition. Calvin Austin, who we didn't see at all last season, like that's a really good group of pass catchers for Kenny Pickett to actually work with. All right, I, I was a little tame in my optimism, so I'm going to just add a little bit more for the Steelers. Uh, as my friend uh, Andrew Filipponi might say, you know, the local uh, Steelers radio host, I, I was tame. So what would Pony say here for optimism for the Steelers? Kenny Pickett to George Pickens. We're looking at Montana to Rice. You got Montana to Rice. You also added another Hall of Famer to the defense. Patrick Peterson, he's going to the Hall of Fame He's coming in to play corner. Hall of Famer Cameron Hayward playing next to Larry Ogunjobi, who's basically the next Ted Washington, a modern-day Ted Washington stopping the run up front. I mean, Kenny Pickett, you saw what Joe Burrow did in his second year, Mm -hmm. going to the Super Bowl, 90-plus PFF grade. That's Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's a 90-plus PFF grade guy from now until eternity. That's what's happening here with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pickett to... Pickens with Deontay Johnson as John Taylor. I mean, it's all perfect. Steelers, they're not just winning the AFC North. They're not just winning the AFC. They're winning the Super Bowl in Kenny Pickett's second year. Uh, That's the uh, end uh, pony impersonation. Gotcha. I love when I just go off the rails and you just smile at me and they're like, uh, okay. I, I mean, I got I to gotta keep out of the way so there's a clean clip to be taken for social media and, you, and all you things do, exposed. You do a good job. Uh, do you bring the same level of pessimism on the pessimism show? Because I've never been a part of one of those shows either. Do you, yeah. do you get into it and attack? I mean, I think the pessimism is it's, you know, it's easier to see. You know, there's a critical weakness for most of these teams yeah. that, that are going to It's not to easy to see in the offseason, though. It's easy to see once the games start, but it's really difficult to see in May, June, and July. No, I mean, you know, there's a lot of teams. It's, it's pretty easy. Are you reading the OTA buzz? I mean, there's, there's all good things happening across yeah. the league, right? I'm just saying in a league where, you know, Eagles, prohibitive favorites in the NFC, Chiefs, prohibitive favorites in the AFC, a bunch of contenders, it's pretty easy to see why the, the Cardinals aren't going to win the Super Bowl, you know? Yeah, but Caleb Williams. Yeah, in optimism. the future. All right. Seattle Seahawks, reasons for optimism. Look, it, it started last year, right? I mean, they, they, they rejuvenated Geno Smith his entire career. Now they have Geno on the fake mid-tier contract that we always talked about. So they're not, they're not paying him too much. But Geno Smith got paid what he's worth. 
And he's really good. And he's got dudes to throw to. They just got Jackson Smith and Jigba in the draft. Devin Witherspoon at corner opposite Tariq Woolen, who was incredible as a fifth rounder last year. They had all of last year's draft picks, five incredible draft picks, all started and contributed and played well. And they just added another haul of, you know, in a, in a, of deep draft picks. I mean, Seattle's arrow is absolutely pointed up. Yeah. I mean, the reason for optimism. Made the playoffs. For Seattle would be last year was built off the success of a lot of young players, you know, first year, young players or sort of new, you know, situations where you're like, okay, Geno Smith comes in, plays incredibly, earns this new contract, um, completely unexpected, sort of out of the blue. And the immediate reaction to that is, yeah, I mean, he's probably not going to do that again, or maybe it settles down into a slightly worse level. And, you know, they were right to sign into that kind of um, middle tier contract that doesn't tie them into him. You know, they can get away from it. On the other hand, what if, like, that was just the start? What if that was just year one of Geno Smith actually arriving at this point in his career? And when you improve the situation around him a little bit, keep working on the offensive line, those two rookies actually developing in year two and you know raising that baseline of pass protection. Um, they add wide receiver help in Jackson Smith and Jigba to the guys they already have in Locke and DK Metcalf. And the draft class from a year ago that, that so much of that success on defense and just overall was built on actually takes another step forward year two. Like Tariq Woolen gets better in his young career as uh, young sort of in football terms uh, as a corner. Devin Witherspoon hits the ground running. There's definitely a world where, you know, this youth movement in Seattle takes a significant leap forward in year two, even if it's very sort of volatile how that could go. One more sneaky uh, good possible uh, positive develop- development for Seattle, too. Bobby Wagner comes in, and he had one year at, with the Rams and still played well. He can still play, even into his 30s. And Jamal Adams coming back from injury. I know he's had a bit of an up-and-down career with Seattle, but the potential is there with uh, a couple big-name players to go with the youth movement in Seattle. So all looking good for the Seahawks. They're probably going to overtake the 49ers as the best team in the NFC West here. Um, speaking of the 49ers, uh, they're the best team in the NFC West because they've just got the best team. Um, they've got uh, all the the pass catchers. You saw a breakout from Brock Purdy. He is uh, one of the great healers of our time, so he'll be ready for week one, Brock Purdy. And the defensive line, even without D'Amico Ryans there, the defensive line, the secondary, uh, the lineba- the best linebacking duo in the NFL in San Francisco, just a tick below the Eagles as far as roster strength, I'd say, in San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, the reason for optimism is who needs a UCL anyway, right? Brock Purdy already showed he can play at a really high level within this offense. He's been maybe the best player that they've had at quarterback uh, for the 49ers, at least in terms of what he adds on top of what's already there, which is substantial. So even if Brock Purdy can't go... They bring in Sam Darnold, and we already know Kyle Shanahan is, is, is enough of a wizard to be able to get the three games out of, out of Sam Darnold that everybody gets excited about to just extend them out to be like 15, you know, over the course of the season. So pro bowler Sam Darnold is not beyond the realm of expectations in, in a Kyle Shanahan offense, given all the players that they have to work with. Um, 
And almost regardless of who the quarterback is, they should still be firmly in the playoff hunt and one of the best teams in the conference. Are, are, on this show, are we allowed to buy into the Sam Darnold hype when uh, and if it, it shows up? Well, you don't need to. So you can. I think it's not. Um, it's not a contradiction to believe that Sam Darnold is both not good and capable of putting up insane numbers and winning games in a Kyle Shanahan offense. You got a full year of Christian McCaffrey at running back here as well. Obviously, all the playmakers we mentioned. It's a full year now of Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Uh, Jawan Jennings has been a good player there. Everything that they've built. And then Javon Hargrave added to that defensive line. You know, good luck blocking him and Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, uh, the great locker room presence of Cleveland Furl on the defensive line as well. I mean, there's so much to like there in San Francisco. And three more teams to discuss here, Sam. Pretty mm-hmm. sure I haven't missed anybody. Tampa Bay Bucks are next. Okay, this one could be tough. No, could this be is tough, easy. but the NFC South still wide open. This is easy. And fresh look on offense with Byron Leftwich out and Dave Canales in. And then the defense is still good in Tampa Bay. You still have some good defensive pieces in the Tampa Bay Bucks. Plus Baker Mayfield, you're just going to get the best out of him. There you go. See? Easy. All you got to do is go back to. Uh, what was it, 2020, Baker Mayfield, where he had an 85 PFF grade. That's higher than Tua last season. It's higher than Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady last year, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith, and his incredible breakout year. Um, It's a really, really good grade. And it wasn't in the best situation in the world uh, and was basically half a season, right? It was like he was on that run that Trevor Lawrence was kind of going on where he sort of he reached a point in the year where he put it all together and the back end was incredible and then the optimism for next season was incredible 2021 it was going to be an amazing year for Baker and then he tore a shoulder and his entire career uh ran off the rails and into a ditch if they can just piece that back together again we know that player's in there he had the rookie record for touchdowns Um, until Justin Herbert came along a year or two later and broke that, we know that Baker Mayfield is capable of high-end play. He stepped off the plane for the Rams, having given the playbook like seven minutes beforehand, and led them to a comeback win the game. He's capable. Give him the playbook as he gets off the plane. I mean, there there are just ways to work with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is clearly capable of high-end NFL play. It's just getting further and further in the rearview mirror as his career. (laughs) <laughs> kind of falls apart around him. But the, uh, the the reason for optimism would be if they're able to rediscover that player over the offseason, if they're able to find that guy. And, you know, the situation in Tampa Bay in terms of receiving help, the offensive line should be fine, even if it's a step backwards from what it's been over the last few years. The offensive coaching, the scheme should be a lot better than it was with Byron Leftwich there. There's no reason that that player in Baker Mayfield can't be rediscovered. I've just given up looking for it. Except on this show, where we're optimistic, and Baker Mayfield leads the Tampa Bay Bucks to their third straight NFC South division title. All right, the Tennessee Titans are up. Reasons for optimism in Tennessee? Look, I think they're, you know, it's still Ryan Tannehill's team right now in Tennessee, but the, the, but the future, I want to look to the future, and Will Levis, right, getting Will Levis in the second round. You know, banana peel eating and all, mayo coffee and all. Will Levis can sling it, Sam. He can sling it. He's the future in Tennessee. He's an absolute steal in round two. 
and there's a lot of reason for optimism in Tennessee, mostly for the future in Will Levis. But he might be so good that he just overtakes Ryan Tannehill right away as well. Yeah. Um, reasons for the for future opt- optimism, I think, are definitely fair. Uh, on the other hand, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that if this group stays healthy, you know, they could easily kind of bounce back next year. Ryan Tannehill is still there. Derrick Henry is still there. The wide receiver room needs some work, but Traylon Burks, I think, flashed as a rookie, and if they can get the most out of him year two, it's probably not as bad as it looks on paper. They've made moves to address the offensive line. You know, Andre Dillard coming in. Um, Peter Skaronsky was one of the, the, I think, safest, quote-unquote, picks in the draft and should make an immediate impact there. That offense, I think, could come back together quickly, and in a division that isn't necessarily amazing, they could easily bounce back and still be contenders. Yeah, I mean, they were right there in the in the AFC South. I know they collapsed down the stretch. My my real reason for optimism for Tennessee is I, I'm still a big Mike Vrabel believer. I, I still think, you know, he'll have losing records. Of course he has. He's not completely Mike Tomlin, as I predicted. But he is Mike Tomlin in the sense that they should be competitive and they should play to their to the best of their abilities, I think, year, year over year. And Tennessee clearly took a hit. Last year, from a roster standpoint, but also from an injury standpoint, I think with with health up front, Jeffrey Simmons, Nico Autry, the way he started playing last year, Harold Landry coming back, they should have a good defensive line. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, for me, the real optimism for Tennessee, I was half joking about the Will Levis thing. The Titans have Vrabel, and I think some stability there, where he'll get the most out of this team, even in transition, right? They are transitioning this roster from a lot of veterans over the last couple of years to a lot of youth. And uh, you bring in a whole new front office coming from San Francisco. I think that that pairing could work really well now with Mike Vrabel. So be optimistic in Tennessee. First off, we didn't forget you on this show, but you've got the infrastructure to be really good for a long time. All right, let's wrap it up. The Washington commanders here, Sam. And, uh, you know, I could say Sam Howell's the dude, right? I mean, Sam Howell's going to break out, be the guy. You found him. What a steal in round five. But realistically for Washington, no matter what happens with Sam Howell, their playmaker situation at receiver and that defensive line, the defensive line, Chase Young, get him back and healthy and, uh, you know, just another year uh, coming off of his injuries. I think the defensive line is loaded in Washington and the roster overall is really good. Depth on the offensive line, uh, much better in the secondary with Emmanuel Forbes coming in as a first-round corner. Washington has just a really good team. And, of course, the biggest question will be, how good is Sam Howell at QB? Yeah, I think Sam Howell is, is reason to be optimistic. Like, if Sam Howell was That's a guy fair. that they drafted in the first or the second round and he was getting this opportunity, everybody would be pumped about it, right? It's like, here's the new young quarterback. He's taken over. He showed the, the last game of the season, last season, why he should be the starter going forward. And the coaching buys into him. You know, the, they've, they brought in Eric Bieniemy, who everybody has been hammering to get a head coaching job because of what he's done as an offensive coordinator. Like, we would be so excited about the prospect of what Sam Howell can be. But because he was just a fifth-round pick and he slid in the draft, you don't – you just – it doesn't have the same cachet, the same weight to it. But, you know, Sam Howell effectively is a young quarterback that did have draft pedigree before it, it slipped once we got closer to the draft, who the coaching staff in Washington has clearly bought into, right? They decided – 
coming out of last season that he was going to be the starter going forward. All they did to change that is bring in Jacoby Brissett, who's like the perfect backup quarterback. So evidently, the coaching staff, who is they have the best view of this guy, right? We have seen, what, 20-something dropbacks at the, the, the last game of the season? They've seen him in practice all the way through an entire year. They have the best view of what Sam Howell can be, and evidently they believe he can be the starter going forward, and they've brought in one of the biggest names in terms of an offensive mind in Eric Bieniemy to help shepherd him through that pathway. So if you're a Washington fan, and by the way, the other reason for optimism is you know new ownership, um, right. but if you're a Washington fan, then I think you should be excited by and optimistic by what Sam Howell can be. There you go. Well done, Sam. 32-plus reasons for optimism. Some of them sounded like fan message boards. Some of them were real. Some of them were, you know, you know a little extreme. But, uh, but that was fun. You know, you give everybody some hope, some reasons to be excited for this season and beyond because it is the offseason, and that's what we should do. And that's what I've done the last couple of years. We made it a three-year tradition. And, of course, a couple of years ago, you came back and you were looking for a show idea, and you said, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll do pessimism. I'll do the opposite. Tear, tear down the fan bases, and I think we're going to do that this week. We're going to do that on Thursday. Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Great. But that was fun today, being optimistic with every team. Yeah. How'd you like it? Do you feel dirty doing that? Yeah, I mean, it felt like a stretch, you know, on a few teams. But other than that, I think, you know, it's the off season. It is the optimism season. This is where we trade off hope. So it makes sense that you can at least construct some kind of argument for pretty much every team. You'll be uh, – so, yeah, there will be a show tomorrow. I'm not on the show tomorrow. You'll have, uh, I think, Trevor coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll hit back to the – we can never drag Trevor down the pessimism road. I'll I'll, no. I'll do that myself on Thursday. Um, what I am a little pessimistic about is the lack of thumbs-ups in, uh, in the chat on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Not enough. Um, so we're just – we're begging you to smash the like button. Even though we couldn't you know, start no the shame. podcast properly we're this begging. morning. We're, we're, we, did, we gave you guys something to be excited about for your teams. The least you could do is give us a thumbs up. <laughs> Even though it took us two. You can also email us, nflpodcast at pff.com. We're getting a lot of off-season show ideas in there, and we appreciate all of the interaction and feedback with all of our viewers and listeners. Mm-hmm. We appreciate the, uh, the likes, even if it took us two, two attempts to start a podcast this morning. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe all the likes went to the last show that has been deleted. Uh, apologies on my end. I'm having a rough morning here, Sam. I had to pitch. I did pitch in our uh, alumni baseball game, high school alumni game yesterday, and I'm quite sore. Mm. First time pitching since I pitched to you a year and a half ago. Yeah. So, did not did not go great. I did rip a double, though. Scored the game-winning run. So the old guys won. We won. Great. Good victory. Winning pitcher. Well done. And I got lit up. Anything else to add? No, I can hear music, which means it's time to stop talking and get out of here. Wrap it up. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again tomorrow.